Chipmunks are not our friends. They have invaded Earth and made its people slaves. They cling on to power by means of a powerful transmitter broadcasting myths and lies that suggest that they have always been here. In fact, they have only been here a few months and have falsified and manipulated our history. Our mission is to interrupt their broadcast and replace it with the true history of Earth, which will weaken and undermine the monks' power. The monks are not our friends. They have invaded Earth and made its people slaves. They cling on to power by means of a powerful transmitter broadcasting myths and lies that suggest that they have always been here. In fact, they have only been here a few months and have falsified and manipulated our history. Our mission is to interrupt their broadcast and replace it with the true history of Earth, which will weaken and undermine the monks' power. The monks are not our friends. They have invaded Earth and made its people slaves. They cling on to power by means of a powerful transmitter broadcasting myths and lies that suggest that they have always been here. In fact, they have only been here a few months and have falsified and Welcome, everybody, to the 45th edition of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features myself, Ben. And David. Hey. Hey, everybody. Uh, this week, uh, obviously, uh, we are going to be talking about the lie of the land, the fabulous third concluding part of our monkey trilogy featuring the, <laughs> north, the naughty monks and yes. their naughty pyramid of doom. I like that, the monkey trilogy. The monkey trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, as I'm talking, I'm going to ask you... <laughs> To give your outline reaction to The Lie of the Land. Well, I think it was quite the rebound episode from last week. I thought last week was really flat for me, and I think it uh, recovered in part here, uh, largely due to the strengths of performances from Mackie and Gomez, I thought were excellent. I agree. I I really think, I mean, I, I've not been shy to, to share my, my uh, difficulties with, you know, the Lady Master Missy. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I don't like Michelle Gomez. I just, you know, I just don't really care for the character being female. Again, you know, I mean, it was a little bit of a unnecessary diversion to, you know, nip into the vault and have a chat with Missy and get her advice on how to, yeah. defeat, some, on how to defeat some monks. But she was really pretty creepy. Um, mm-hmm. Shot really nicely and really well acted. And, and, and Bill did a fantastic job as well. Um, uh, Pearl Mackey. Mm-hmm. I watched this with my uh, with my lovely wife again, um, mm-hmm. and she opined um, uh, midway through the episode that you know you're that um, you're always in trouble um, in some ways <laughs> if you uh, if you have a voiceover uh, right. just telling you what's going on. Mm-hmm. However, I think she did a good job with that voiceover, which is always tricky. And then, of course, giving the denouement of the episode, mm-hmm. which is you know all you got to do is think of your mum. Um, uh, the fact that the dialogue, the voiceover was with her mother, kind of fitted together quite neatly. So right. that was good. Yeah. The voiceover reminded me more of rather than trying to fill holes, it reminded me of uh, a Le Carre uh, technique in the Smiley novels where Smiley's talking to his wife Anne in right. his mind. I think it was more there to reinforce this connection, this image that Bill has put put in her mind of her mom that uh, has been tied in we saw that in oxygen we saw yep. that in knock knock and yep. ever ever since the pilot so it seemed very fitting for this whole series that that would be something that bill would focus in on and 
that's in a sense Bill's imaginary friend. That's what Nardle yeah. described it as. Yeah, with so. the old joke, and then and then and then they left me. Yeah, I mean, and actually, you know, I mean, given that this is a, you know, this is a, you know, in many ways, this is still supposed to be some kind of a kids show. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really liked, you know, the, the 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 conclusion that the way to you know, solve the problem, to resolve the plot, to get rid of the bad guys, was just think of your mum, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is actually really, that's a really nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some pushback on that from fandom saying it's it's another love conquers all ending, but I really don't have a problem with that. No, neither do I really. Um uh, no, exactly not. Exactly not. I don't mm-hmm. I don't. And I think I think it's a very I mean actually I think if you're going to have a love conquers all conclusion, I think that that's a really nice one to have actually. Right. And you know, I mean again, not everyone has a great relationship with with their mothers. Mm-hmm. Um I happen to really like my mother a lot. Um, um, and you know if you want to defeat the monks the evil monkeys um you've got to you know just think of your mum and bingo they're defeated yeah (laughs) we had another opening voiceover to begin the episode i think this is our third this series uh with the doctor gaslighting the population of the world uh being the monks global propagandist and that for me didn't work quite as well I like the doctor more in the background as a, as he described in Oxygen, the, you'll spend your whole life wondering who I was and right, right. Uh, you know why I saved your lives. But here, the doctor has worldwide audience, and it seemed incongruous for me. I just didn't understand how it fit within the monks' plan, since they supposedly ran all these simulations. Right. They must have seen the threat that the doctor was. Why... They would afford him the doctor his life. I would have expected or would have thought more the doctor would be in hiding rather yeah. than working for the monks, you know, just being some sort of pulling like a Sherlock Holmes being right. a, a vagrant or just going under deep, deep cover. Well, I mean, it, it kind of worked for me a little bit. I mean, I I, I do agree with you, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I think the monks were, in general, pretty weak source in terms of villains. I mean, you know, they oh, didn't really have a plan. Yep. You know, they'd run like the simulation for millions of years, but they they still, you know, um, Bill thinking of, of mm-hmm. her mum, like still kind of finish them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, and we can talk about that later. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I think uh, there is a problem with the with you know why didn't the monks just kill the doctor? Um, mm-hmm couple of things there that kind of work for me I mean the monks again as I was saying last week do have this kind of weird kind of legalism to them to, True. to, to themselves and you know maybe they aren't allowed to kill the doctor because because they've got some kind of weird monk rule that doesn't allow them to kill the president of the earth and I think you know that we, we were built up for better mm-hmm. or for worse the previous episode that in times of crisis apparently the doctor becomes the president of the entire planet mm-hmm. um, in which case you could imagine them okay okay well he's the president of the earth so we you know we'll get him to do the kind of regular broadcast from our you know radio Caroline style pirate <laughs> radio station um, <laughs> apparently in the North Sea mm-hmm. um, uh, and so you know, I mean, so that that made a little bit of sense to okay. me. I also was getting kind of a vibe from Inferno. Um, you know, when they go into the uh, alternate universe where the Brigadier. So I'm talking about the Third Doctor era, right. 1970 mm-hmm. classic Inferno, where there's an alternative reality that um, the Third Doctor, John Pertwee, and Liz Shaw, um, uh, Caroline John, um, uh, find themselves in by mistake. Mm-hmm. 
where there is a radio announcer, I think, <laughs> I think it was cut from the original broadcast, but it's reinstated on the DVD. The radio announcer, the kind of Lord Haw Haw mm-hmm. um, Joyce figure on the radio, was actually voiced by John Pertwee. Right. <laughs> um, and I think one of the fun fan things that people always discuss about Inferno is that in in in, in that alternate universe, everyone has their doppelganger uh-huh. evil counterpart. Uh-huh. What is the doppelganger evil counterpart of the Doctor in that universe? And we never actually find out. <laughs> Um, so again, it was to me. It was a nice, even though it just ended up being kind of a lame trick by the doctor to establish that Bill was not yeah. working for the not working for the monks, yeah. as if she would be uh, for the, at least the first half of the episode. I go, oh yeah, this is this alternative doctor, you know, that we we we've heard tell of, you know, who is a you know a collaborator in this alternative universe. So. Mm-hmm. That's how it worked for me, and I. But then, unfortunately, you know, the flip midway through when we discovered this is all a ploy to, you mm-hmm. know, establish Bill's bona fides. Um, right. Again, I thought that was a bit weak. I'm afraid. Yeah. So we had a couple. That that scene was the second uh, bit of hand wavium that we had in the episode. <laughs> uh, the first being Bill just not knowing how she escaped the pyramid and. I, I figured it out, I guess, or, or at least what made sense to me was yeah. that Bill escaped because she had to be alive for the monks to Have keep the their link. Conduit thing. Right. Yes. And yeah. So yeah. I you know, I was able to put two and two together and that's a very Moffat way of you know there's evidence there uh you go work it out rather than have the doctor right. with a one line or something like that or missy yeah. but there was a big hand wavium type scene where the doctor is going uh, after the whole confrontation with bill saying well the monks obviously have some kind of control and he was literally hand waving <laughs> the explanation yeah. around because a he didn't know and b because it seems to be par for the course here with uh, Moffat era who that we're going to just hand wave and move on. Yeah. With I'll the, explain later. Yeah, with the scene, with the whole confrontation scene on the ship, what what's your take on that? Well, okay, so I've been working on this alternative universe, you know, inferno style evil doctor theory, right. you know, so mm-hmm. the first thing that that came to my mind is in you know the doctor goes ah and calls in the the guards and the question is like, well, okay, why don't the guards do something rather right. than just kind of sit there? And mm-hmm. then, you know, why do the guards then let Bill, like, take their weapons so easily? Mm-hmm. Uh, why do the guards then let them let Bill shoot the doctor um, without shooting her if they're guards? And then, like, right. oh, actually, you know what? It's all been a trick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the tensions ratcheted, ratcheted up quite high. And, and again, you know, we've had incompetent guards before. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm just remembering the guards who failed to stop Missy from killing What's-Her-Face on the aeroplane in... Osgood, yeah. It, Osgood, you know, by just, like, standing there, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, so, so uh, but, you know, the tension gets ratcheted up quite high, and then all of a sudden it's like, blam, um, we get some tinkly-tonkly kind of funny music, right. and it's all been a joke. Right. And, uh, you know, and I can see why we did that, but psychologically, you know, I mean, Bill has just kind of pulled a gun and shot... Right. Someone who she really admires under really, really tense and horrible circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, realistically speaking, and again, Doctor Who isn't necessarily a totally re- realistic show. Right. Um, I think the 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 kind of blowback from that when she discovers it's all been a joke would not be just kind of you know get a little bit bad at Nardole and move right. on. The other thing that worried me a little bit is that the Doctor has obviously been able to re- to, to deprogram in some way 
his you know group of soldiers mm-hmm. um, how and if it's possible to do that then obviously it'll take some time but why not work on deprogramming the whole planet in some right. way if it's if mm-hmm. that's easy to do three I guess is like the monks again being pretty ineffectual you'd expect that they'd have some kind of video surveillance or even some kind of psychic surveillance right. of that space mm-hmm. um, so they knew that if you know the president of earth was turning rogue on them and escaping from the boat then right. they would do something about right. it possibly mm-hmm. so those are my three thoughts so I really, really question the wisdom of Moffat and Whithouse on that scene. I just wonder wh- how in their right minds they thought that would be okay. First for Moffat, I mean, it's a repeat in some ways of the Lake Silencio shooting yeah. of the doctor scene. So it's a recycled Moffat idea. Second, it was emotionally cruel. It was a mean, mean trick. And yeah, the doctor probably needed to be sure that Bill hadn't been corrupted or influenced or brainwashed there by the monks. There must have been a less less cruel way to do it than that, because you're right. That's that's a that's a horrific thing. It's a horrific thing. Here we have a companion shooting the doctor. What were they thinking? How how? I mean, yes, this is good drama, maybe, but. I just don't think it works and just how glib and ha 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 it was all a joke and then Bill has been put through the emotional ringer and manipulated to the point of where she decides that she's just going to kill the doctor who is her friend mm-hmm. and just to kind of brush it off as oh it was just Nardle's bad idea or it's a joke and it yeah. The You're sighing. I can hear you <laughs> sighing. <laughs> yeah. I really have a problem with that, and I think that was a, a bad choice for this show. I don't think it works well for a tea time family type program. I don't like the extreme violence, and to have the doctor be that manipulative and then have the companion react and kill the doctor in an emotional scene and then just say, oh, it's a joke. I just think it trivializes it it far too much. And I wish they would have dealt with it in Bill, almost Clara-esque, being really not okay with what the doctor did. And I, I don't think there's any accountability for that scene. And I think that... If you're going to have that scene, you're going to have to have it backfire later on some way emotionally and have some kind of payback. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, I, I try to avoid this, but I guess we always do this. There's, you know, there's always an element of kind of Monday, Monday morning script doctoring um, mm-hmm. that, that, that goes on. But, you know, one could imagine there being another character involved that, that, a, that a character that, you know, that Bill has formed attachment to mm-hmm. um, is also in some way deprogrammed. We already know that it's possible. The mother at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show, again, you know, was realizing that the, that the monks had only been around for a couple of months. So it's right. possible to have people with the same level of awareness as Bill. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that person could have grabbed someone's gun and shot the doctor, etc., etc. You know, I mean, I think Something that, the, like that, right? that there could have been a way to do it. And, I, you know, obviously they wanted a, like a really high level of emotion. Oh, Bill shoots the doctor. Yep. Um, but but as you as mm-hmm. you point out, that's, that's, and as I'm also pointing out, that's a pretty horrific thing to have happen. Right. The companion has not killed the doctor before. That's something new. Yeah, I kind of thought this was like Sarah Jane getting pissed off at the doctor for some reason 
and taking a shot at him. I yeah. think that, I mean, because Bill it's, has it's that. It's that com- level of awfulness. Right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Yeah. Pearl Mackey does an astounding acting job. I think she's amazing. I, I still think she steals every scene she's in. She's great. Yep. But Very good. I don't think this is the right scene to have in this story. Now, no. I, my ideas of who and Moffat's idea of who widely diverge. So rather than dwelling more on this, I'll just leave it at that. I just yeah. uh, thumbs up on the performances, thumbs down for just including it entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, let's, I mean, let's talk a little bit, little bit about the monks. I mean, mm-hmm. um, uh, they're a bit pants, aren't they? I really think that we could have done a little bit hard. We could have worked a little bit harder to have the monks be like a credible, or even any kind of threat. Really, they don't really have a reason why they yeah, conquered the earth. They I never mean, found out why they were there. And then you know, I mean, our, our heroes really don't interact with them at mm-hmm. any point. You know, we never really hear the monks talk again. The, the the kind of monk leader in the pyramid, which I'm going to assume it's some like something like some kind of leader. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really interact with that creature, even though it's the you know the makeup job is amazing. He looks really horrific, which is mm-hmm. awesome. But you know, there's no there's no kind of big bad to them, right. which again, unfortunately, then throws for me a lot of the strength of the episode into that switch halfway through where right. we discover that the Doctor isn't evil, and it kind of makes it more. You know, it seems like okay, maybe that's that's the point of the episode then, mm-hmm. which is you know, ah, not not so good. Right. If there was someone that we'd, ha- you know, if we knew that there was a, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, that's being standard issue kind of, you know, uh, 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 George Orwell, nineteen eighty four, totalitarian dicks to everybody. Right. Um, and that's really all they're doing. Right. We haven't really seen anything worse than that. Mm-hmm. I think if we'd had like an Omega style big bad or like, you know, even, you know, like a Davros Dalek thing going or on. Or even if we found out what they were doing, why did they need their, you know, I, I could imagine a population of 7 billion people, um, psychic energy helps something. Something truly horrific that would be worth that portrayal of bill um halfway through or 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 why would they even come why earth yeah that's that's i just don't i don't get it (laughs) and we do kind of miss a trick because again you know roughly you know halfway three quarters way through the episode we visit uh missy in the Mm -hmm. vault the doctor manages to get all the way from the north sea to bristol um you know without (laughs) getting picked up by the monks right and that's not a that's not a euphemism um he would have been picked (laughs) up by the monks um, um, we have the opportunity. I mean, Missy's apparently met the met the monks before, right? But she doesn't really tell us anything about mm-hmm. them. You know, that was a prime opportunity for a nice bit of info dump about like why or what these they do. Creatures, right. These creatures have to be fought mm-hmm. and what they do, mm-hmm. um, and you know where they come from, what their deal is, why they dress in kind of red cloaks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what the hell? I mean, even you know, as we've discussed before, even just calling them exilons and like you know building them back to. <laughs> To, 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 to death to the Daleks would have given us something to work with. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the whole thing with Missy in the vault was there just to kill Bill, effectively, to set up, okay, uh, you have to kill Bill. And it it seemed like false tension because after, especially after the scene and the ship, I, I really didn't even feel like Bill was at risk Bill's not at all get killed. Yeah. right I just yeah. uh, the tension wasn't there yeah it seemed kind of false to me with Capaldi saying we don't sacrifice people there are people that self-sacrifice in the Doctor Who universe 
Right. So the the tone of those scenes seemed off, and I think it would have been I think it would have been better to give okay, this is what's going to happen if you don't stop them type thing, rather than you have to kill Bill in order to stop them. Yeah. It didn't seem like they had gained much from talking to Missy. Not really. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, other than you know, they knew they. I mean, again, as as, as so often happens with mm-hmm. with Doctor Who, you know, the villain's main control base mm-hmm. is conveniently located in in the southeast of the United Kingdom, right. um, rather than back to Turkestan or wherever the hell they were last week. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's like well, okay, London, I guess. Um, is the place to put it. I mean, another thing I think that was slightly irks, irking me about the monks is that the, is the fact that they're monks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed to me that their kind of monkish and kind of mummy-style appearance mm-hmm. is really something to do with the fact that they were introduced in a Vatican um, kind of, you know, creepy uh, uh, Da Vinci Code-style setting to begin with, if you see what I mean. Right. Um, that that episode required something quasi-religious to mm-hmm. fit in with that with that theme. They looked a little bit ridiculous. They're matched with a kind of United Nations task force submarines, B-52 bomber kind of <laughs> situation in the pyramid at the end of the world. And then I think when you get to the... The, the kind of final part of the trilogy, it's like, well, why are they, why do they look like that? Right. We were given a kind of a, you know, a flip explanation in Pyramid at the end of the world that, mm-hmm. you know, they look like corpses because you're corpses. Okay. Right. That implies they can change their appearance. Right. I, again, you know, I don't want to kind of, you know, Monday morning script editor this whole thing, but like, you know, why weren't the monks like more axon like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, in, I agree. in, in yeah. the third episode, like golden, yeah. wonderful things that you can look up to, you know, right. I, I, you, the fact that they still are kind of dressed like idiots. I mean, right. you know, why are you wearing those dresses um, with the hoods? Mm-hmm. If you can change your appearance, change your appearance to, to you know, kind of golden, kind of Hitlerian Something more Superman. seductive, even. Something more seductive, yes, right. exactly. I mean, there was a nice, there was a slight, I mean, a little kind of frisson for me is that, which again wasn't built on, so I, I, I think it possibly was just me that, you know, obviously everyone is loving and obeying these kind of disgusting looking creatures. <laughs> so that, I think, worked a little bit well, but I don't think that was deliberate. Right. So anyway, that was the other thing that was, that was mm-hmm. bothering me about the monks. Yeah, and just what Missy was saying, that they'll just chalk it up to experience once they're defeated and hightail it out of there. It seemed a little too pat a way of getting rid of the monks, effectively. You know, the monks have spent a lot of time and energy. You know, I mean, they are crawling. How many simulations have they run? This, a lot, lots of them, and they've run for, you know, millions of years. Obviously, mm-hmm. you could probably run them at high speed, so they take less time. Right. But they are definitely crawl like I mean, they spent a lot of time and energy mm-hmm. on developing a plan to conquer the Earth, and then, you know, one small setback, and they're like, okay, screw it, we're leaving now. <laughs> um, we're never going to come back. You're never going to hear right. from us again. We're flying off pyramid away um and we're just going to run a million year simulation for another planet for right. a bit um, and conquer them instead <laughs> it's probably why they look so horrible <laughs> yeah <that's> just, exactly. <laughs> it takes a lot of time and effort and they never get anywhere <laughs> <laughs> exactly they're all kind of old and depressed like oh not another God. a million year simulation for nothing <laughs> <laughs> we need new leadership uh, yeah goodness Anyway, um, oh, the, so, so when, carry on. yeah, when yeah. they enter in that uh, vault, I I really suspect that that was a recent uh, voiceover when 
Capaldi says fake news central. I, I imagine that has, was added within the last, at least since January sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I just, yeah, which I think is fair enough. You know, mm-hmm. like it is, yeah, you know, fake news. Do you, do you watch the show Rick and Morty on uh, Comedy Central? I haven't, no. So I, 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 all the way through this episode, I mean, obviously the, the creators of Rick and Morty, I think the show came out in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and it's actually really funny and very, very sci-fi aware and and worth watching um mm-hmm. but the, the the two the two creators of that show have been quite um explicit when they've said that the main character of rick who's this kind of you know dickhead mad scientist <laughs> is based is an amalgam of doc brown from back to the future and the doctor from doctor who <laughs> um and i th- thought this in this episode particularly peter capaldi was really challenged challenge, Ah, channeling the character of Rick from Rick and Morty, um, very, very Rick-like, um, okay. and I think if you just watched, if you watched a couple of episodes of that, you'd really see Capaldi's performance being informed by that particular cartoon, which I'm sure he's seen, particularly kind of deranged and lots of kind of spiky hair. Um, mm-hmm. I think the direct, I mean, the way that he was lit through the episode as well was very, very kind mm-hmm. of more dramatic and more kind of cartoon-like um, mm-hmm. than I've seen before, which actually worked worked pretty well for me which also I think fed into the way that, that, that Missy was written for mm-hmm. and scripted and right. shot um, in, the, in, in this episode as well which I think again was, was, was the, the most effective that I've seen so far of her yeah. Plus, I didn't know she could play the piano. I mean, she's quite accomplished. You know, <laughs> playing some Eric Sarty there, I think, at the yeah, beginning. That was, and so some Scott Joplin, the entertainer. And some Scott Joplin as well. Yeah, exactly. You can really toggle her way through the 20th century. <laughs> so the doctor acting like a maniac definitely came through when they were crashing the prison ship or the propaganda ship into the dock where he was... A um, very, very, Rick, very Rick-like moment, yeah, yes. Yeah, laughing... Like a maniac. Like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Missy scenes were quite good. I guess um, Peter Capaldi said afterwards in a clip that the BBC released on the Doctor Who feed that that was freezing. It was filmed in January sometime, and it was really cold, so they had gas space heaters in there just to try to warm up this uh, disused building. And I thought it was pretty well done. I really liked Michelle Gomez's performance as Missy, uh, kind of lounging on top of the grand piano. Like Michelle Pfeiffer in Fabulous Baker Boys. <laughs> I think we've already made that comparison. Right. Well, we weren't far off on that. So <laughs> Exactly. And I thought it was interesting. The final scene, the whole... The whole bit of Missy seemed like they were part of a different episode, really. It didn't seem like it fit. I just didn't really see why the Doctor needed Missy for this one. I don't know. The Doctor generally has heard of aliens. Right. um, And in general knows how to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And in general, even if he doesn't know how to deal with them, then he can find out, you know, using something in the TARDIS. Um, or, or just whatever. figuring it out. I or just, just figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. I yeah. really thought when he said, Missy, I'm going to need your help, we would see him release Missy prematurely from the vault. And that would have been, okay, he actually needs Missy outside the vault rather than I need Missy for information. It exactly. And, and, and the, you know, there's form for that. You know, I mean, the doctor needed the master to defeat the Ortons, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, in Spearhead from Space, you know, they, 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 and the Axons. They had sea to, Devils. They, it just uh, sea various. Devils. They've, yeah. always, they've worked together. And like, I'm, 
I'm I'm agreeing with you. I mean, you know, it's it's it's. I think one was hoping for, expecting a, right. you know, a Missy Doctor team up, mm-hmm. which would then go wrong in some kind of way, which would then lead us into the next episode where we, you know, we resolve the Missy in the vault thing. But right. she's now back in the vault again, and I guess we're going to have to wait until the final two parter to mm-hmm. find out, you know, how that's going to get resolved. Yeah, it was a interesting scene with Missy remembering all the people that she killed in the in the crying at the end. And the doctor not quite believing her, it seemed like the that was the expression that Capaldi had on his mm-hmm. face. It's sort of like, okay, what's up with this? Yeah. The master being the master certainly seems like Missy is trying to manipulate her way out of the vault. And maybe that's a setup for, like like you said, this uh, season finale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the doctor lies... Stephen Moffat lies. Uh, mm-hmm. I think even I think even more the master Missy also lies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, we can't we can't trust her as far as we can throw her. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, she's 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 trying to get out of that vault. Mm-hmm. Um, and given with apparently the frequency that the the, the 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 doctor goes into the vault, I'm surprised she just doesn't bop him on the head with a piano stool um, <laughs> and get out herself. But yes. you know, maybe there's other security things in there that we're not we're not fully aware of. Well, the doctor does have the garden artles there, so. That is, that is, that is. And Nardole, of course, is a ninja of some kind. Um, well, oh, jeez. Highly trained. Tarovian neck pinch, uh, all of the Vulcan <laughs> neck pinch. I I don't know. I thought Nardole was kind of weak sauce this episode, and that, uh, the, the little Vulcan death pinch or whatever, just, uh, yeah, wow. That was a bit much, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, you know, I mean, Matt Lucas is doing a really good job. It's, yes. You know, it's, a really, it's a really nice... You know, it's a kind of a he's a he's a light relief character, but also mm-hmm. it's got some depth to him, and he's doing a great job. I just again, I wish that um, you know, in amongst all the comedy, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, you got to be careful where you put that comedy mm-hmm. um, because when you're getting to the climax of the of the of the whole thing, you mm-hmm. need to make sure that you're concentrating on that climax rather than like kind of you know off offside. Um, though actually, I I did actually like the way that scene was shot in general. You know, with the uh, the audio of Bill on people on the headphones, right. you know, kind of over um, uh, overwriting the noise from the from the guns mm-hmm. um, that were being fired. I thought that was a nice that was a nice kind of director's choice, right? Um, or scriptwriter's mm-hmm. choice there, um, and and you know quite well pulled off. Again, I, you know, I just wish that the. Uh, the, the you know the, this small cadre of, of deprogrammed guards that we had to work with I wish they'd be more characters um, for us um, I mean I think you know we're able to draw character really quickly oxygen mm-hmm. being a good example I think those bit characters in, in that on that particular space station were very nicely drawn mm-hmm. I wish we'd had a similar similar chance to meet those guys and also again you know maybe they could have shot the doctor rather than the bill <laughs> I yeah I don't know it it uh the the characterizations was pretty minimal and it reminded me of the girl who died type viking characterization where yeah. we just had nice yep. maybe, maybe just kind of a quip and we'll never see these characters again which is no, probably no. why I spend any time on them but it but, it yeah. was a little hmm the doctor's putting together a gang again like a time heist and these people really I I wonder if subterfuge would have been a better way of getting into the pyramid because obviously well, it wasn't very guarded. Your way yeah, your way. I mean, the, yes, it obviously wasn't guarded at all, and I think we even made a point of kind of pointing that out that there's there's no one yeah. guarding it. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
it's just, yeah, I think that's I think that's really all. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all wrapped up. The pyramid's flown away. Um, everything's back to normal. Big reset. Um, humans, humans have aren't really going to be mm-hmm. able to remember this. They think maybe it's something mm-hmm. to do with the movie. Um, and obviously, actually, in this case, I, I think it's I think it's logical enough to think that maybe mm-hmm. humans wouldn't remember this because you know the whole thing has been a mind control right. thing anyway. So right. yeah presumably everyone's minds got wiped and the fact that there's rubbish all over the streets and stuff and people got dressed up in different costumes and there's kind of, you know, thought police vans driving around. Maybe people, again, will think that's a movie. Um, so. so I thought, you know, there were some really nice lines in here. So there's, I, I, I liked a lot of the lines and mostly probably because of the delivery of Michelle Gomez with uh, where how she says, like, a, a wee girl and how I just pushed her into a volcano or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then just uh, when she's the doctor's uh, at when, when he asked her if she had run into the monks and she said something like, um, I've had adventures too. My whole life doesn't revolve around you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's growing on me. She's growing on me. I yeah. just wish she wouldn't dress like Mary Poppins. But I mean, her, her costume really, really is a little more, a uh, little less governess this season and yes. a little yes. more Harvey girl if, if you're familiar with those I am I am familiar with the Harvey girls and, and I think I think that's a, that's an improvement for me I think the as I think we've discussed before the mm-hmm. Mary Poppins residence right. doesn't really work for me at all um, I think if she was to if Michelle Gomez was brought back under Chipnell and she's she's already said that she's gone but you know who knows if mm-hmm. we're only one or who two knows? seasons away from that slinky cat suit that you had uh, <laughs> positive the slinky kit yep exactly and yep that, that, that would definitely that would have worked really well uh, that would have worked really <laughs> well on that piano on top of the piano exactly exactly yeah come on Missy you missed it Missing a trick. You're missing a trick. We want more um, Diana Rigg, circa 1966, is what we're after, I think. The Radio Times uh, put out an article uh, yesterday um, mm-hmm. pointing out that we've seen Bill's mom before. Oh, really? In Doctor Who. Yeah. What was she? So, Bill's mom is an actress named Rosie Jane, okay. and she was in Doctor Who once before okay. this series. She was in the Gallifreyan. High Council in the 50th anniversary special. Really? She is in full High Time Lord regalia as one of the War Council when we have all 13 doctors appearing on those uh, shimmery screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there she is one of the Time Ladies in there. Huh. Do do we think she might be a Time Lady? And for reals? (laughs) Well, with the whole earlier bit in the season with the bit with the grandfather, Uh with Bill saying the grandfather and the doctor looking at the picture of Susan when (laughs) she's talking to Bill and the pilot. Wow. I mean, I don't want to give extra (laughs) weight to it, but if I was Stephen Moffat, it would be very clever of me to cast an actress who had previously appeared as a Time Lord. As a Time Lord, yes. As a Time Lord, as Bill's mum, if I was going to suggest some kind of familiar connection with Susan or the Doctor or Gallifrey, it may be totally coincidence, but it's a little pat. <laughs> yeah, that would not, it would, be, it would be the kind of polar opposite of Martha Jones's cousin, who just happens mm-hmm. to work at Torchwood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
too clever by half. Yeah, but I, I would be kind of irresistible for Moffat if that's mm-hmm. the way he's going because he loves that kind of stuff. Well, he has touched everything else. That I mean, with Clara being in every every adventure, the Doctor yeah. setting him on, choosing the TARDIS. Right. It seems a very Moffat-esque touch that what's the last loose end that we have? Oh, it's, of course, I've never gone back for Susan. Right. How are we going to go back for let's Susan? Let's go back for Susan. Well, could be. Well, let's, let's. I think in just three short weeks, we will, we we'll, will find we'll out. know the answer. It will be part of, <laughs> part of Who Mythology Forever. Um, just having quickly looked at the Wikipedia page, um, uh, something that I'd forgotten, which I should have noted down. Nice call out to Magpie Electricals there. Ah, um, right. Yeah, I was thinking of you when I saw yeah, that. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking of myself as well when I saw that. Um, we don't have enough Magpie Electricals. Um, in fact, brands, I mean, we need more of those Doctor Who brands like scattered through things um as i said i was i was disappointed that the uh whatever the ship's drive was in wherever they were <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't a mag wasn't magpie smile yeah yeah well I, i'm i'm wondering when uh character options or some other uh, marketer will just pick up on the magpie brand and sell us a uh, magpie branded uh oh yeah home stereo like, equipment uh, or something like that i, do, I, do, I totally buy a magpie radio or a magpie ipod <laughs> a, a, a magpie mp3 player even if that's still a thing um and the cord uh, wraps around your neck like uh, an auton and absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. programs it brainwashes you like a boss yeah <laughs> so. i'm joking point, i'm actually picking up my phone right now i would totally buy like a magpie electrical iphone case um, mm-hmm. If someone, if someone, if someone would care to market that to me, um, I would, I would, or maybe I'll just, I'll just do it myself and make a million. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Mag- it'd be a big hit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Since the trailer just was right in there, do you want to talk about the trailer? Uh, yeah, Edwardians on Edwardian soldiers on Mars. Yeah, that's the area of sci-fi that I, that steampunk area of sci-fi that I really like. I'm steampunk. really looking to Mark Gatiss's script here. Well, I mean, he's a big steampunk fan, Mr. Gatiss. So uh, I think you know, in what may be one of certainly his, certainly his his last episode for his current right. writing partner, which is very much um, Stephen Moffat. I think he's been given license to do what whatever the hell he wants, which is to take Edwardian soldiers to Mars. <laughs> Well, I have a good good feeling about this one. I think this fits his writing a lot better than, say, uh, Sleep No More or something like that. I think right. he likes this genre, this uh, Victorian, Edwardian time period. Yep, he does. I he does. don't think there's going to be a lot of the missteps where we have, like, the Paternoster gang or anything anything like that. So I have, a, I have high hopes for this one that it'll be a nice, fun romp i hope we have a decent explanation on how these uh, victorians did get on to mars but i'm not sure we actually need one because you know this is sci-fi fantasy at its height here this is it, it looks like it's going to be a fun 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 story yeah yeah and i mean they'll probably they'll no doubt be some kind of hand wavium going on that kind of you know there's some kind of time mm-hmm. anomaly maybe maybe it's a Maybe we've fallen sideways into like a spare bit of monk simulation that has simulated, you know, <laughs> Queen Victoria says sending people to Mars. Who knows? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it looks mm-hmm. like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I, nice to be building up to a standalone episode. Um, great to have the Ice Warriors mm-hmm. back. I don't know whether you've been following the rediscovery of this uh, original Ice, Ice Warrior helmet. Yeah. Um, uh, that's been re- recently been re- refound. Not much left of it. Just a few bit of... 
bit of green latex hanging from the chin (laughs) but i mean i always love that stuff um Mm -hmm. and again i have been following some of the discussions about that you know how you know with the original ice warrior costumes we had these these big helmets Mm because they were supposed to be more like vikings etc 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 so i mean that's 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 been that's been fun so that's a nice nice thing to fit in with next week's episode Mm -hmm. i haven't found out how how did they find it or what how how was it brought to their attention well, I think, I mean, there's an article about it in, in the upcoming Doctor Who magazine, which, of course, I haven't got my hands on yet. I'll mm-hmm. be ordering that on Monday. It's been found by a commercial organization, Toy Box Treasures, who uh-huh. and, and they'll be selling it. There may be uh, some kind of secrecy attached to it. We may not know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have actually noticed that, the, the, that they're putting up for sale an original Axon tentacle as well. <laughs> so it may have come from someone's crazy, insane BBC collection that they mm-hmm. suddenly, they've mm-hmm. suddenly discovered. Right. Um, huh? And if that person is listening, I'm sorry I just called you insane and crazy. Um, <laughs> I would love to have an original Axon tentacle, so let me have it, please. <laughs> well, I think that looked really good. Uh, looking uh, maybe on the way into the dining area, big Axon tentacle hanging down for you. <laughs> oh, it would look great. I, yeah, I, I'm already plotting to see how I can buy myself an original Axon tentacle. I'm sure it's going to be really expensive, though, so possibly not. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Okay. All right. So you, so I'm you, looking uh, for you, these upright crocodiles versus uh, red coats. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, I, it's it's going to be a fun. Yeah, I, I mean, let's mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It looks like it might be a lot of fun. I'm hoping it's going to be another great standalone, mostly yeah. story like uh, absolutely. Oxygen. Absolutely. Cool. So in, in totally other... Uh, fandom, mm-hmm. uh, are you on uh, any of the forums at all? Um... From time to time, what have I missed? Okay. Well, um, it's the Gallifrey Base uh, annual top three tournament has kicked off this week, and I always find that Goodness. enjoyable where uh, I guess they group group stories by doctor originally, uh, by and you pick your top three, and then it's a uh, hundred or so people also choose in the top three advance, and then you ultimately, uh, last week right before... Uh, Doctor Who Day on November 23rd, the final results are matched, and it's a battle of the doctors versus randomly selected stories, and it's a lot of fun, at least. I have not been participating (laughs) in that. I will. I'm going to, as soon as we're done talking, I'll be clicking straight on that and um, um, doing whatever I need to do to advance stories that I prefer over stories that uh, that other people prefer. Yeah, so that's a lot of fun right now, so I don't know. And so it's a way of uh, embracing my inner geekery to rank stories. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I would have to say though, David, between, I mean, with, with you and I, I'm not. I'm sure it's more. It's less of the inner geekery. It's more of the outer geekery, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, well, think we're hiding this from anyone at this point. Um, well, I, I, isn't this an internal... I thought this was all an internal monologue. <laughs> <laughs> it's a voiceover. This is just a voiceover. Yeah, there you go. It's a voiceover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, none, yeah. none of this is real. None of this I think is it's, real. it's mainly there to keep our spouses sane. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, that's a good, that's a, that's a good ending note. Yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> The moment has been prepared for. The moment has been prepared for. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 45 of the Metabilis 2 podcast. I have been David. Um, uh, uh, This has been... I can't really think of a live (laughs) the land joke. Anyway, this has been Ben. Hooray. (laughs) See you next week. So long.
Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, as a number two, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.